Uh oh. Yes, I understood your evil plan. Okay. Hello. 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 This is me practicing my David Attenborough. You're going to have to do a David Attenborough bit at some point. Yes. Well, you don't have to do anything. You can do whatever you do want. It. Here we see the comedians lining up for the <laughs> mating ritual known as the open mic. I like that your David Attenborough looks like if... If there was a fanfic in which Hannah Gatsby and David Attenborough had a daughter. A daughter. <laughs> I mean, one hell of a daughter. I would... That'd be great. I mean, I would I'd love it. Hello. Hello. And this welcome. is Mexicans. This is Mexicans, because you're Mexican. I can't. You can't? Yeah, no, I can. Today I can. Yes, good. I can. Good, I'm glad. You're, you seem to be in a good mood. I'm in, a, I'm in an okay mood. I changed my um, my antidepressant for another antidepressant. Okay, how's that going for it's you? It's going okay. I mean, I, I'm still in the adjustment phase, which means that I sleep on average four hours a day. Okay. Because it's it's like an upper, but then I'm doing the anxiety medication. It's like whenever a... We'll t- we should talk about mental health in our in, in another episode. episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. That's, well, that's you know, in the great words of someone I've heard before, you'll sleep when you're dead. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah, except I have to sleep now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> exactly. I, I'd rather sleep while I'm alive. I mean, I, I can't. I know. Sleep. Why is sleeping so amazing? Because it's like. <laughs> I, I, know, I think, no, no, no. I think it's. I think it's an evolutionary thing because okay. it's like. You know, for for the vast majority of humanity's history, it was just running away from things that wanted to eat us, True. or running, chasing after things that we wanted to eat, which was an exhausting life, yes. at best. Yeah. And then when you finally got the chance to sleep, it meant that these two things weren't happening. <laughs> you weren't being chased, and you weren't chasing after anything. That is... So that w- there's there's a kind of like a brain thing of yeah. everything is done, and that is why I think we men, or may- maybe I'm just speaking for myself, I fall asleep immediately after sex. <laughs> I don't do the talk. I hate it. I hate the whole, like, oh, we should, like, cuddle and talk about... Oh, fuck, no. I am like, such a cuddler. I'm, I No, I love cuddling whilst I sleep. That's the beauty of cuddling. Okay, yeah. You can cuddle totally. while nothing else goes on. But the whole carrying on a conversation, like... Yeah, to, to be... Uh, to be fair, well, not f- the thing is, like, I will, I will talk a lot after sex, but I am not expecting the other person to participate. <laughs> I'm more like a DA d- dumping on someone I just, I just imagined you. I just imagined you like going through your day like a teenage girl, like, and then Tiffany was like, "Oh my god!" Like, you can't, and I was like, "Oh yeah," and yeah. it was like, "Really?" And it was yeah, like just droning on. Yeah, and the guy was just like, really? I'm like, yeah, totally. I hate talking after sex. It's just that I can't keep my eyes open. There is this thing of, I've done a fair... That is good, which means that you have... It's not this thing where, like... I mean, I know Louis C.K. might not be as kosher anymore, uh, but one bit I did like from him was a thing where if, if if your girl is still talking after sex, it means you did nothing for her. Like, oh, <laughs> I've never heard that one, but it's a good insight. Yeah, it's like uh, I think it's more like an evolutionary thing. Like, I've fulfilled my duty. Like, I fulfilled my duty okay. because the brain doesn't know if you're fucking a man or a woman. The brain is just that the fucking has taken place. Okay, so it's like I've, I'm, I'm fed. I'm fairly warm. I'm sheltered. 
and I've just reproduced. If something eats me right now, I really don't give a fuck. That's, that's my brain. It's like mission, mission accomplished in the in the George W. Bush kind of way. When it's not really nothing, nothing has actually been accomplished. But I'm like, we just we just raised the banner, big banner on exactly. a on an aircraft carrier, just like yes. mission accomplished, and I just fall asleep. And I like that my partner yeah. and I are the same way. In that well, I think that's the thing in which you you need to. Yeah, uh, there has to be consensus. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, for me, no, like I would, I mean, again, like with the partners I've had better relationships with, I tell them like, I, I am going to be still talking for like five minutes while I fall asleep, but you are in no way, you know, like you can just let me go on. Exactly. It's just like, give me an arm. I, let me hold an arm <laughs> to feel like I'm not doing oh, this but, Oh my God. I'm a spider monkey. <laughs> You're a huge cuddler. Yeah. 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 To me, the point. Too. me too. I do get hot. So it's like, yeah, it's this whole thing. We've worked it out. We cuddle. Between 15, 20 minutes. Well, you know, something's going on on Netflix. We, we're not really paying attention to it. Yeah. And then after 15 or so minutes, we both kind of give each other the cue of now we stop. And yes. we each turn to our side with a nice breadth of distance between us. And it's wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, you'll wake up and it's like a little neck kiss here and yeah, then exactly. go right back to sleep because I can't the whole, the whole night... When it's cold, I can deal. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it. of course. I mean, I love yeah. It. But in, in this country, it can get so hot. Yeah, like, I was just, I'm, just... I'm gonna... It just, you, were, you were just down at the beach, weren't you? Yeah, I'm gonna... I'm gonna brag a little bit. <laughs> Go on and brag. I had four shows at Puerto Vallarta, which is Ooh. the beach, two in English and two in Spanish. And they went mostly okay. Um, my first English show, I hated it. I mean, it was good and people said it was good, but I hadn't done like a full set in a while, which means that like putting a all the parts. English to, set. Yeah, yeah, like, like putting the parts together, it was kind of weird. Like, I, like there were several callbacks that I'm like, oh, I should have, I needed to plant this before, but I didn't think of this until I am now on stage telling you people. I didn't tell them people that, <laughs> that but. Uh, but it was it, it was great, and the best part is that uh, <laughs> that I got a sugar daddy while on the beach. <laughs> Did you know that was I've never I've never had ev- anyone like pay for everything. It was like he paid for everything. everything How everything. old was he? He was oh fifty three. Yeah. Definitely counts as sugar daddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was like uh, I mean, great body. He was really, uh, and I mean, I have no complaints at all whatsoever. Uh, I, I think that my one thing that I learned with the whole thing is that I suck at being a sugar baby. <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know the sugar baby. Well, the thing is, you know... The, the sugar daddy and the sugar If you call yourself baby. a sugar baby, there's at least two lies in that sentence. Like, True. You're neither sugar nor a I'm baby. I'm just a diabetic uh, you're a, 35-year-old man. No, I'm not diabetic. You're a sucrose neighbor. I like that word. <laughs> That's going to be the name of my next show. Sucrose, sucrose neighbor. neighbor. That could be, like, the best sitcom. Sucrose neighbor. I like that. Yeah, well, I like that. I like that. And are you seeing him again? Are you texting? Uh, we are texting. Uh, I am hoping of going. He is actually the owner of the bar where I performed at, so hoping to go back in the high season, uh, where there's ideally going to be more because we did not sell out any of the shows. Like we had some good crowds, but like especially for the English shows, the Spanish shows were like, like the first one was we had like. 10 people and the second one we had like five uh. like and then and I asked people and they're like yeah no like people are going like they're they're worried about going the, coming back to school whatever and like they don't really understand what 
stand-up comedy is in Puerto Vallarta. Actually, uh, uh, they canceled Carlos Vallarta. Speaking of Vallarta, they canceled Carlos Vallarta's presentation at a big theater in Puerto Vallarta because his show is named God is Dead. Yes. So the Catholic people in Vallarta were having none of it. They're like, we will Are not have it. Yes. They well, also canceled a showing of a play, like a theatrical version of the of The Exorcist. Maybe that, but, but The Exorcist is a Catholic movie. I know it's, it's the like dumbest super, thing ever. It's a super Catholic movie. It's yeah, all it's, about like good triumphs over evil and the priest and, the priest and, and, he, d- and he does the Latin thing. And it's and mostly he, based on, on on true facts. Yes, it's it's really not. Of but, course not. Of like, course not. It's, it's but very I mean, it's based not. on true facts but, the same way that yeah. a lot of things in Hollywood. Are but based. it's a very Catholic film. Like. It is a very Catholic, and it's a, like you said, it's a film about uh, good and specifically the Catholic good triumphing the Catholic. over the devil. Is she possessed by the actual devil? I think so. I, I've never, I never watched that movie. I, 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 I remember watching it ages ago, but I think it's the actual devil. Like, he's not, it's not like a lesser... It's not like a delegate. A lesser demon. It's not like a, it's not like a no, well, Satan, you know, like... Because, like, my favourite, like, I love the, um, I love uh, Hellraiser, yes. the, 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 the comic books, and the, the Keanu Reeves movie, which has very little to do with the comic books, and I still love... You mean Constantine? Constantine, yes. Yeah. Um... And it's not like you only see Satan at the end, played wonderfully by this guy, um, Peter Stormare. Yeah. And he's so, and there's Tilda Swinton as the Archangel Gabriel, and it's so much fun. But you have all the lesser demons, it's all about like yeah. the lesser. Or like in, or like in Good Omens, which, in which also Satan just appears at the end. Yes, well, and and at the beginning because of the Antichrist, you know. Oh, him. true, yeah. yeah. So good, so good, good I omens. Know. I want to watch it again. I've seen it twice already, and I want to watch it. It again. is amazing. It's it's just I've also seen it so twice. funny oh. and so. We pretty. should have a good omens episode. We should have a good omens episode. But uh, before that, let's talk about our Mexican stereotype. Oh no, wait. Uh, Let's introduce each other. Each other. <laughs> so, do you want to go first? Go first. I'll go first. Um... Let me introduce my co-host. Uh, you've heard of Clarissa Explains It All. My co-host Luis Augusto hosts the sequel, where he shames you for not knowing. <laughs> that is true. I did. Luis Augusto shames you for not knowing. He, he's not explaining anything. No, he's just like, he's what, just you like, don't did know? you even do the background reading? Like, <laughs> it was on the list. It was on the list. You had to read this. Actually, I'm starting the semester right now, and I'm, I'm doing that to my university students. I'm doing that. It's like, like this is the syllabus. Do not add. No, me. like I sent this this list of this is the essential reading. This has this reading has to be done before the semester, and a lot of them they did not. They give clearly it. don't, or they didn't, or they tried. Some of them attempted and did not succeed. Succeed, and then I start talking about this. And it's like, okay, so what are your thoughts on this theory? Or what are your thoughts on this idea? And you get the three people who read the thing, and then the others are like, oh, you know, as this person just said. And they begin with, as, <laughs> as my companion, because here in Mexico we use companion, you know, as my companion, my peer has so eloquently put, I agree with this. And I'm like, fuck you. It was three books. Yeah. It was a long holiday, like. Fuck you. Anyway, let me introduce to you my co-host, Martin Leon, a man whose love life has moved on from the low-hanging fruit and now just goes straight for the ground potatoes. <laughs> I do love potatoes. I do. <laughs> nice and starchy. Exactly. 
I just nice know and the mealy. fruit. I love the French for potato. You know, apple of the earth. Apple of the earth. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like this is this my this is my, my last chance of being Snow White. A Fuck potato. the French, just <laughs> in general principle. In general principle, every time we mention the French, I don't even hate them that much. I just like. Having like this, there's this trope called the acceptable targets. You know, yes. when you make fun of a country that has a lot of pride, it's acceptable. Like, it's not the same if an American is always go fuck Mexico and fuck the Mexicans because there's a lot of baggage there. But if a Mexican, every time somebody mentions the French, are like fuck the, the French. French, I hate them. <laughs> I hate them. They ruin everything. I people will laugh about it. It's just yeah, 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 yeah. I do it in my stand-up. Australia is another acceptable target. I make fun of Australia a lot because people are like, "Oh, it's fine. Like that country is doing better than us. It's fine to make yes. fun of them." Yes, yeah. it's much better. And the good news is, it's you know because that's the rule, then we can make fun of so many countries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in so many ways. And in anyway, so, many ways. Uh, so what's today's Mexican stereotype? Today's Mexican stereotype is avocados and guacamole. What? There's a video I'm going to share on social media with guacamole, which I found uh, hilarious. It's a woman singing, like, core the avocado, or peel the avocado, peel the avocado, guacamole. It'll be on social media. It'll be hilarious, I swear. Anywho, do you like avocado? I do like avocado. I do not like avocado. Really? It's um, One day society will forgive me for being... No, but here's the thing. Every time... I, I think... You people who don't like the avocado just need to, like, watch some Frozen and let it go. Because, like... <laughs> no, seriously. That is such a, like, a... I don't know, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, that is such, like, a Valley Girl uh, oh put God. down. <laughs> like, you have play. to watch some Frozen and just let it go. That's, that was me. That's, that's me. I'm a Valley Girl. Exactly. You know, it's mostly... You your, have the hair. Your, it's mostly you Yorkshire the... Valley, you know. <laughs> You have to say it in a Yorkshire accent. <laughs> you know, you know what, mate? You should just watch some Frozen and what, let it go. <laughs> no, no, it's just that a lot of Mexicans don't like avocado. Like avocado is one of those controversial kind of. Is it? Because yeah. like I've met, I think I've met can count in one hand the people that I've met. No, by. I've met, I've met tons of them, but they all have the same hang up. They're all like, "Yes, I'm a bad Mexican," and "Yes, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't like." Well, that's how we are made to feel, Luis Augusto. But no, here's the thing. I just, I, the thing. <laughs> that's not the reason I'm why you're a, a bad I'm Mexican. I'm such a picky eater. I'm such a picky okay. eater myself that when someone goes like, "Oh, I feel so ashamed that I don't like something," it's like, "Fuck off! You shouldn't feel feel ashamed that you don't." No, like I don't feel something. ashamed. Like, I mean, <laughs> it, it is. I mean, that you do have the privilege of being able to say no to food you know sure. that is that is a privilege that so many people because i'm you know i'm so picky like i hate mushrooms i hate fish like everything that lives in the sea i hate the taste of but obviously if i'm ridiculously hungry i will have it so it's just that's the privilege of being able to, to say no and that and i think that's why being a picky eater here in mexico is such a faux pas like people will not have it like they like i've heard stories of parents who will, like, force you to eat something if you don't like it. Yeah. And it's like, why would you... My parents never did that. My grandparents uh, attempted to. Uh, but my parents were like, whatever. My parents gave up pretty quickly. Also, because the things I don't like are, like, these really special, expensive things. Are, like, shrimp and crab yeah. and lobster. So whenever there was shrimp or shellfish in general, these are expensive things in the house. 
and my sister and I are both the same way. We I, we don't know why, but we both like can't stand the the smell of it and the sight of it. We just hate it. So whenever there was that, my parents were like, "Oh, come on, you should, really should try a clam." But in in on the inside, they were like, "Good thing you don't like this." Because, like, like, I don't have to share it like, with oh, you. Oh no! And I bought all of these clams. Exactly. Now I have to eat and them. They, and they would eat the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. They would yeah. eat the whole thing. My my dad, who's who's Spanish, he would make this paella, and. Oh. Um, he would make the separate pot of paella oh, without without the um without the shellfish the seafood, in it yeah. without the seafood in it, which mean which meant that the paella that my parents had was like fifty percent just seafood, which is the best and kind. And they of paella. were just like enjoying it, and we were just like revolted at the sight of all these like exoskeletons of shrimp just piling up on these plates that they have specifically for the purpose. A shrimp. Is a cockroach. I've said this before. I'll say yes, it again. Yes, you're not the only thing. person who like, said that to me. I hate it. But anyway, avocado. I quite love the avocado. It's a and symbol. What do you think makes the perfect guacamole? How do you prepare guacamole? Because I have my recipe. Please, I mean, you don't have to give details special. if you want. It's just okay. Avocados. They have to be like the early ingredient. Ripe avocado. Uh, ripe and not too ripe. Yes. Like it's just. Well, it yeah. has to be just. Right. Just so, yeah? yeah. And you mash the avocado. I don't like... I, I just mash it with a fork. I don't really, yeah. like, bother with it. And there's, like, half a chopped onion. Uh, well, fa- very thinly diced onion. Very thinly diced tomato. And then uh, a lime or two. And half a little tin of salsa verde, but not the spicy kind. Just the... You know the salsa the verde? Tomatillo. Just, yeah, tomatillo. Yeah. Half a tin of that. Some salt. Done. Like, nice. It's just... It's a very simple... I like it because it... it I like to think it's a salad. So it I could just have a bowl of it. I could have an entire bowl of guacamole I, and just like, what are you eating? A salad. Yeah, I mean... It's mostly green. I'll go with that. I don't know. I suppose avocado has more fat than lettuce, but it's good fats. It's the good It's the good kind it's of fat. It's a good kind of fat. Yeah, it's a good kind of fat. Here's the thing. When I lived in Guadalajara, I lived in this place... In this house uh, that had a huge garden. And we had actually seven avocado trees. Ooh, that is a commodity. That is. that is, it, it, And I don't know if you listeners know, but like an avocado tree is huge. It's, it's enormous. And the, I mean, we there was no way we could have finished. Like even if I liked avocado. And uh, they yield, if, especially if they're old, they yeah, yield they a lot yeah. of them. Because yeah. what happened is that this, uh, this place we lived in, it used to be an avocado orchard. Right. So, like, all the houses had, like, avocado trees, and it was just, like... So, like, at one point during avocado season, we had people from the local marketplace come and, like, just take as much avocado as possible. Because, like, we gave avocado for, like, you know, birthday gifts, and we took avocado to Monterrey to all of my aunts, and they were, like, you know, like... um, They loved it and everything. Oh, God. And even the dog ate it. Like, we had a German Shepherd. My brother had a German Shepherd, actually. Uh, I had a cat. But, like, what she would do uh, was she, like, when the avocados fell to the ground, like, still green, she would bury them. She had, like, several avocado statues uh, buried through the garden, and she would, like, take avocados out, and she would leave, like, nothing but the bone. She loved avocado. Like, even the dog ate avocado. Well, dogs are omnivores. I mean, they'll, they'll eat anything. Yeah. It's just so... But, yeah, like, oh, I, love, I love avocado. It's so good. I Have you tried avocado desserts? Because, like, this is the thing about avocado. Here in Mexico, they are a vegetable. But for the rest of Latin America, they're like, no, this is a fruit. That's this actually... Goes, well, I don't know if it's all of This goes in a cheesecake. This goes in a I've pastry some, cream. 
I've had some avocado uh, as a dessert. I had a wonderful avocado ice cream once that I I loved it. I thought it was so good. Um, but like in Peru, where my half of my family are from, avocado is a vegetable. Like it's used as, you know, you eat it with rice, for example. Okay. Like just plain white rice with some slices of avocado yeah. on top, some salt. This is the other thing. And this is what's <gasps> so good. And this I do feel bad when, because like when, when because it's not this thing where I'm like, there are other things, for example, tomato. I don't particularly love tomato, but I will eat it and it's fine. I particularly do not like the taste of avocado. So, like, the one place where I think I'll have it, if it's not too much of it, it's in sushi. Right. That's the only only place. But, like, here in Mexico, like, a lot of restaurants and a lot of places, they are very generous. And they will, like, they will give you, like, your rice. And then on top of it, like, this beautiful sliced, like, fanned out avocado slices. And, you know, for most people, it's going to be like, oh, avocado. Oh, and, I, so and I didn't even ask for it. And when I see, see that, I'm like, oh, no. Usually there's someone I could give my avocado to. So that gets, you know, sold by, you know, that gets sold by itself. But, like, now that I was in Puerto Vallarta, uh, one, of the, one of the few times I, I ate by myself, uh, I, get, I went to this place where they had the, these amazing beer-battered uh, shrimp. And next, and like, I asked, I usually ask, like, does it have avocado? Because they usually do. I'm like, don't put the avocado. And I didn't. And they gave me, like, I'm sure, like a cup and a half worth of, like, oh. like what seemed to be, because I know my friends and I know what they like, what seemed to be the most amazing, perfect guacamole I've ever seen. It was just, like, huge, this huge uh, portion of guacamole. And I'm like, oh, no, I forgot to tell them no avocado. And usually if you tell them, like, I'm not going to have this, just take it back, you just throw it out. So I You should just use the lie I use whenever people... Because whenever I visit someone and they go, like, salmon. And salmon is expensive. So you know that they went to great cost. So all I say is, I'm so sorry, I'm allergic. Yeah. Deathly allergic to all kinds of seafood. And they will go like, oh, you poor bastard. But, like, they will not think I'm an asshole. They'll just, like... Because, honestly... There's, there's been times where people will just, like, serve it to me, and I'm like, I can't say no, so I'll just eat the fish, and I just, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm gagging the whole way, I'm, just like, oh. I've been the same way with avocado, I like, in, in, like, when you, I go to, like, a dinner party and friend's place, whatever, and they're like, look at this, and you're like, oh, no. But they never, like, it's, it's very rare that they serve you avocado on your plate. It's usually that there's a bowl of guacamole, and you'll just, yeah. like... Spoon it. Or they have like an avocado, or like you can put some avocado. Yeah, you can put some avocado if you want. Yeah. Uh, But sometimes, like they will, like when you get the the plate, they will already have to put like some guacamole on it or stuff like that. So good. There's stuffed avocados. Yes, those are delicious. Mm. For me, for me. But Americans, they they love the avocado. They do. They've changed the way the world looks at avocado. Totally. Super Bowl Sunday. It's like the the avocado day. Did you know, this is a linguistics fact, because I like it, in the early 20th century, they wanted to change the name of the avocado to, listen to this, alligator pear. I did not know that. Yes. And then the growers were like, but it's an avocado, why would you do And there was this whole controversy about the name. So eventually, they called it alligator pear, obviously, to call it something English. Yes. But, you know, even though alligator is, 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 is a Latin origin 
word, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe pair is also. I, I, yeah, of course. I mean, what word from the English language doesn't come from another language? <laughs> um, True. I, recently, uh, I met this girl, and she was like, uh, I. So people say I have a pear shaped body, but I like saying I have an avocado shaped body. And, like, I was another girl, and we looked at her, like, we understand where you're going with this, and we're totally on board. It's like, you are being, you know, proud of your Mexican heritage and of your body shape, which is two things we approve of. But also, avocado comes from the now, from, I don't know if it's now, but from the... It's now, From now, uh, aguacatl, which means testicle. Testicle. So, so I don't know. Like... So, it's funny that you don't like it. It's, it's funny, funny that you, funny. you don't stuff yourself. Funny that you don't, like, suck it. You, you know, like, suck it just, yeah, yeah, just like... Yeah, but, you know, on the other hand, I might not like testicles that much if whatever came out of them was green, so... Look, people go on diets. <laughs> Who am I to judge? Like, it's already out. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pull out my fucking Pantone thing and just go like, "This is funny." <laughs> I'm gonna. Call, I'm not gonna call this a pearl necklace because it's not pearl. But I've always wanted to give a. Uh, this is weird, but it's just for the joke. I've always wanted to. I never will because I think uh, stand-up comedians are pro. They're, they're hosts to so many diseases, but. <laughs> If I ever, if I ever suck a comedian's dick, I really do want to like just finish the job and just look him straight in the eye and say that doesn't really taste funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh well, I already have (laughs) done the joke. I haven't done the joke. I have done the deed deed. twice. (laughs) There you go. Well done. Good for you. Another interesting avocado fact is a Guinness World Record was set in 2013 when a group of 450 students in Tacintaro, Michoacán, prepared a serving of guacamole that weighed 5,885 pounds. How much? Three tons. Why? Why would anyone do that? Well, Michoacán is uh, the, yeah. the main producer of avocado, so I'm guessing is it's kind of like the logic of you know this place that they do in in um, in Spain where they fight with tomatoes, they yes. throw tomatoes at each other, la tomatina. Yeah, thank you. And they all you know the whole world goes, but with so many people going hungry, and they don't get that this is extra yield that was not sold. It's yeah. It's not that they want to waste the tomatoes, just that they produce so much of it yeah. that some of it goes to waste. Most exactly. of it is near near. And also, what you're going to do? Are you going to come from tomatoes and then take them? No, the thing is that t- tomatoes don't travel well. So it's just, just like you have to send them. <laughs> they don't. So you have to send them away. Get, you have to export them when they're really green. Or they're, they're not really yeah. that edible. They get like motion sickness. They're really complaining, like I'm playing. You know, they're... I'd like to talk to the man. <laughs> exactly. I am not a satisfied tomato. They, they they always ignore, you know, like the weight, you know, the weight limits on like everything. They they take up all the space <laughs> on the overhead compartments. It's yes. just like, why are there so many boxes here? Oh, there's a tomato flying with us. Exactly. You know, they they're always trying to like muscle in on your, you know, like on your. Armrest. Why does she get an upgrade? <laughs> Why does she get upgraded to business class? I want to be upgraded to business class. Well, you mean just because the banana is taller than me? Is that the reason? I mean, people are like, you don't know, not want to mess with the banana. She has a tarantula by her side. You, do you, don't, know, you don't know about the tarantulas? The, like, bananas. What? 
Bananas are famous for, like, where they're grown, there are these tarantulas. And usually large spiders are in that poisonous. But, um, but this is, like, the one large spider, like, super poisonous. Well done. So, like, um, there's been several cases of the spider traveling, you know, in a banana crate to, like, England and, like, you know, some poor English... Oh, my God, that is hysterical. <laughs> that is so much fun. Because, like, here in the tropical countries, you'll find a really big critter and you'll just go, oh, fuck off. You know, exactly. just, like, I could just imagine the Mexican <laughs> mum, the Mexican mum just opening the box of bananas, like, fuck off, oh, just, exactly. like, just, like, with her hand... Exactly. And then she'll mash it up and have it with the guacamole. Just like, <laughs> she doesn't give a fuck. And then, you know, I can imagine this, like, well-to-do, retired woman. Just like, oh, my goodness, a huge banana spider. Uh, so, anyway, uh, Michoacan, where were we? Oh, uh, well, yeah, tomatoes. The avocado. <laughs> no, the avocado that is... It's now... Did you know that it's, it's a it's a market that is now being taken over by the... Um, by the organized crime. By organized by, crime. By drug lords, yeah. yeah. We talked a little bit about that in the last episode, which yeah. is like, there's money in it, so a lot of people like money, which is, you know, all of us. All of us, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, they're muscling on the, on the... Actually, I went to this town... I forget the name. Uh... You remember the volcano that appeared out of nowhere in Michoacan? Paricotin, yeah. Paricotin. Yeah. There's a new town, right, like Nuevo Paricotin. Nuevo Paricotin. And they grow avocados. And it's right on top of the volcano. Yes. Here yes. in Mexico, we don't give a fuck. It's they do a... not give a fuck. They're just waiting for another volcano to happen. They're like, like, wait for it. Wait for it. Wee! That is like... that. The paric- I remember reading about the Paricotin when I was young. Yeah. And it gave me nightmares. Like, the idea of a volcano just... Yeah. Spewing out of the ground. Yeah. And, just, and they showed us the pictures. And, you know, there's the pictures of the of the church yeah. spire sticking out of this... I went to that church. Lava. Yeah. Well, like, I didn't go with lava. It was like fresh. Well, it was now... Yeah, it was. it's now it's just all, It's all rock, like volcanic, vol- like, volcanic rock. And actually, um, I, when I first... I had a, like a... Like, I forget which book. They had like the story of the Paricotin, and for a while I thought there was a fictional thing. Like this is a thing like, somebody made up. This is this is a, a, a mother goose kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. It's like you better eat all your vegetables, or a volcano is gonna appear right. <laughs> that is the Mexican equivalent of the boogeyman. You know, it's just like you know what happens to little children who don't eat the avocados. You know what happens? A volcano is going to rise up from the ground like a mouth from hell, and it's going to burn all of us alive. Exactly. Uh, until the teacher, like, corrected, was like, no, this was true. And I didn't have nightmares, but I was like, what do you mean it was true? Anyway, so I went to this town, and they're growing avocado. They have, like, this huge uh, avocado orchard. So as thank, because we did the documentary there. So as thank you, they gave, gave each of us in the production, they gave us a crate of avocados, like, fresh, beautiful oh. avocados. And, of course, you can't tell people, like, I don't like avocados. Keep them. I just, no, you have to. You have to take I them. took them. And I gave them to a couple of friends, and they were really happy. And for like a week and a half, they did everything avocado, like avocado. Well, soup. avocado is expensive. It like is a avocado, bit expensive. It's not as expensive. Like a couple of years ago, like two or three years ago, there was the spike in the price of avocado. Yeah, uh, it was mostly uh, there was a combination of organized crime, but also like the U.S. Buying so much avocado, yeah. it's just for Mexican growers. And it's this thing where, like, you go and most of the avocado will be green. So you have to buy and learn how to, like, you know, like... Let it ripen. Let it ripen. Thank you. Mature it. My, my English is going as we speak. Anywho, avocados. That was the Mexican stereotype for the day. We've been talking it for a while. 
There's a lot to say. There's a lot to say. We could have the avocado episode. No, let's, but let's not. <laughs> let's not. Let's stay on on the on the actual topic because last episode, <laughs> I I want to make an I, I want to issue an apology. You don't I, have to, I, but but I can. Okay, sure. Because I love talking about myself and I love. <laughs> That's why you do stand up comedy. Yeah, it's just it's all about me, and I'm really sorry that my gun craziness, I guess, took over and I ended up like. You know, okay, let's just like, I, I, I thought about the things I said. I, I, I don't actually believe that every woman should be issued a gun. I don't believe that women need guns in order to be safe as opposed to, you know, just educating people or whatever. Yeah. Like, I still think that rapists should be shot. I still, this is not I, something I, I am, can change about I myself. I am not going to argue against that. I grew up strict Catholic. So many things I loved about growing Catholic, but I was always more Old Testament than you. So I like punishing yeah. with fire. My, I like the whole... A, that's a fun testament. Yeah, it's the fun one. It's the fun testament. It's the Matrix one I forget of, the, the, of the Bible. I forget that, that joke, but it's the testament before God was mellowed out by fatherhood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it wasn't really God. That's the thing, right? Because God himself is implied to be still this vengeful cruel person because like at some point jesus looks up to his father and he says forgive them they not they know not what they are doing like that's true jesus begs his father Don't to forgive. yeah please like just let these poor idiots and he was dying like yeah i this like the but wonderful- this thing was like this is what this is, this is what you sent me to the world for you know like this is the, this was your plan is this the plan was like it? i yeah. thought this was the thing you wanted to have you wanted them to kill you kill me so that my sacrifice would allow them to go anyway again not the best father christian mythology is weird we can have an episode about um Christianity and Catholicism. We had this as a Mexican stereotype in episode two. We should, we could do, but we could do a whole episode of on, Catholicism. I, I like that idea. Okay. Anywho, so what is now, our topic today? Today we are actually talking about Harry Potter. <laughs> Why? We're talking. I don't know. I like. Do you like Harry Potter? I do. Did you read the books before watching the movie? Yes. Or, or okay. well, I read some of them because of like, course. Yeah. I was I was visiting my family uh, in Spain when the Harry Potter craze began. And it began in Spain and Europe in general before it began in Mexico. Of like it, it just it happened in the in, in England and in the US and in Europe in general, like about one year a year and a half, two years before it actually became a thing here in Mexico. Uh, when it became a thing here in Mexico, there were already like I think three books published already. Yeah, the craze started like around book three. Yeah. So I was given the first Harry Potter book. It was it'd been published maybe maybe like this was 1997. So it'd been published maybe a year before. Like it was published in 1997, so maybe I was given it 1998, 99. So basically I was younger than Harry Potter the character when I read it first. I was probably a year younger or okay. two years younger than Harry Potter. So it was like, I just poured myself into this character. And yeah. It was, like, it's written in such a way that every single boy 
was like, and, and I mean, I can't really imagine someone being 24 years old and going, oh, I wish I had my letter from Hogwarts. Like, that's just You don't? Because I creepy. see so many of them. It's creepy. I think it's creepy. But when you're a child and you're like, my life is drab and I do, and I am bullied and blah, blah, blah. But what if there's something special about me? What if yeah. there's something in me? And soon, you know, at some point someone is going to come and is going to tell me, oh, no, no, you don't belong in this world. You belong in this other parallel the same reason why X-Men resonates with me so much is yeah. just like there's something special about you and I'm taking you away yeah. from the drabness other drab people cannot see it yeah they cannot see it yeah. and it was just it was magical to me so mm-hmm. I like and then um, I wrote my father he wrote to my uncle the uncle who gave it to me this was in Spanish it had been translated and uh, my uncle uh, my father wrote to the uncle, uh, to my uncle, and he said Luis devoured the book in like two days. He loved it. He thought it was amazing. Uh, it, are there any more? Because there weren't any more here. Like you had them. I don't know why. And then my uncle sent the other one via mail, and I read the second. So this is Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, Chamber of Secrets. Okay. And then, as <laughs> maybe a month after I read Chamber of Secrets, then Harry Potter exploded here in Mexico, and it was still the Spanish editions coming in, like the, from Spain. Um, coming in and then you know around book three then everything went just ballistic and I think the movie came out around the time book four came out yeah I remember it it came out around the time I I started reading it um, I think when I was 17 or something I got the first uh, like I asked for the books and I got books one through four as a Christmas present and I actually didn't I didn't I was reading the never ending story at the moment so uh, first my sister and my mom read it and then as, as they were finished the books I like kept and we were like we would get to them and be like oh my god Harry Potter but yeah no they're books that are they're super easy to read without feeling like you're being talked down to you know like yeah uh, and considering especially books one through three are very contained sort of mystery books yeah know? it's like who done it who's the bad guy exactly. this time yeah and they're, all the clues are there and you just have to like like once you read like once you go back like once you finish the book and you go back you're like oh of course and the, the, actually there's a there's been some great stuff written on, on how Rowling uh, takes advantage of the fact that she is writing to hide stuff from the from the reader and at the same time, putting clues in plain sight without it being like, look at this, this is a clue. Yeah. And and then I remember that because I got those. And then between book four and five was like the first time where you had a lot of people waiting uh, very uh, excitedly for book five, which was... Book five. Because there was a big gap. Yeah. Between four and five. I think one, two, three, and four, they were fairly regular, like one yeah. every two years or something. And then book five, it took like four years. But it was massive, this massive thing, yeah? <coughs> yeah. No, yeah, it was like, like the books kept on getting larger. And darker. And darker. Um, and of course, after book, books one through three, they're kind of standalone in their own way. Yeah. And from book four, you have, like, a series that spans from book four to book seven. Um, Like, the main quest is unveiled. Exactly. So In book book four. I remember that. I kind of hit Harry Potter at the sweet spot, because I started reading Harry Potter when I was fairly young, very, very innocent. So it was like, oh, it's a book about, you know, school of wizards. And yeah, there's this bad wizard that he kills people. Ooh, he killed the the parents of the whatever. But then I remember book four. I remember it so well when I got my hands on book four and I was 
probably by then I was already a bit older than Harry. Maybe I was a- around like 15 and he was 14 or something yeah. like that. And <clears throat> I remember that book is the first book that doesn't begin in, you know, because all the books always began the same way. Harry is living with his aunt and uncle and they're assholes and he's going to eventually find his way into the train and go into the school somehow. Yeah. <clears throat> it all started the same way. And then yeah. book four begins with this chapter where there's no Harry. It's a Voldemort chapter. Yeah, right. It begins with Voldemort planning his return and he kills an old guy. Yeah. Who, who'd been like kind of caring for this old house who turns out to be Voldemort's house when he was young. I think. Yes. Um, and he kills the guy and you don't see anything of Harry Potter. And I remember that the chapter ends with the death of this innocent guy. And it was the first death that you actually saw in the series. Like yes. you never actually, all the other deaths were kind of off screen. Yes. And then that was the first death that was written into the page. And the book ends with Harry Potter waking up in the middle of a nightmare. And that's chapter one. And I remember this was when I was 15. So I was going into my darkness kind of phase. Yeah, I was, yeah, 14, 15. I was going to my darkness and then the book was dark. And then book 15, uh, sorry, book five was even darker. So, like, so wow, no, 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 no. Book five, was, book five was even darker. And it just, like, I grew up with the thing. So when I finished the books when I was 20, book seven, yeah. 20 or 21, maybe. Yeah, uh, it was already like this completely dark thing. Like it was just like yeah, that's the thing about Harry Potter that it kind of grew up. Like it's it grew up with its audience. Yeah. Uh, you read book number one, and it's um, and this is very simple. It's a bit mushy. It's exactly yeah. it's eleven year olds having fun with magic. Yeah, uh, and yeah, there's you know Voldemort around, but who cares? Um, and then by book, uh, starting book four, it begins this really dark, uh, saga, which, which was interesting because even like before, even if there were series before, like for example, a series I started reading when I was way younger was, uh, the Animorphs series. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you know the Animorphs. I, I, I think that I, I remember watching it on TV. It is, it was a, it was a horrible <clears> TV at the time. <throat> but anyway, the Animorphs is a weird a thing in which you like long story short aliens come to earth and they have the power to transform into whatever animal that they touch and they are fighting an invasion of other aliens that control your brain they are like slugs that get into your uh, ear and control your brain okay uh, and the books are very like they end up being like 40 books I think if not 50 along with like spin-offs and whatever and the series that series also turns dark but the tone never really changes, and and also there were so many books that at one point there started being being ghostwriters for the series. Right. Uh, like they're yeah. all they're, they're all under the author's name. Which they is, were just churning out the books. Yes, basically. Um, <clears throat> but then you know, then Harry Potter happened, and a like everyone was like you know like amazed that. So many people and so many kids were reading because people were saying, like, kids don't read anymore. And, like, it turns out that they needed a good book to read. Well, well, let's get back to that. Okay. Because that, that's my gripe. But go on. No, no, no. Oh, it's I just, I mean, okay. I think the Harry Potter books are well written. Yes. I think that they're good, good writing. Um, what I didn't like about Harry Potter, and this was while the books were being published. First of all, I think it has the, probably the most obnoxious fandom 
I've ever come across. Like, I hate these... Because people would buy the Harry Potter books and they would read them and they would go, oh, I read so much, but they would read the seven Harry Potter books over, over and, and over, over and again. over again. And that's not a reader. That's a fan. You're not being a reader. You're being a fan. It's like, yeah, but when, when are you moving on? And to this day, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people who, like, the only books they, they just keep going back to are the Harry Potter. It's kind of like the Friends of Harry Potter. Where it's like, <laughs> I keep wondering. I mean, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Harry Potter is okay. But... I did move on. When you look at fantasy, or let's say urban fantasy, yeah. I remember that I moved on to so many, I'm sorry, but way better authors. I moved on to Neil Gaiman, who is, there is literally, there is no point of comparison. Like, it's just Neil Gaiman and yeah, J.K. Rowling. Yeah. You shouldn't, like, you shouldn't even compare them. And then, like, uh, Philip Pullman and his Dark Materials and that trilogy. Like, I went on Ursula Le Guin and, you know. Oh, yeah, my God. Amazing. So many amazing books. And um, this uh, Howl's Moving Castle by Diane Wynne-Jones. Like, so these very, you know, Harry Potter-esque things. Like, I realized that Harry Potter was not that original in the sense that it was a plagiarism because... I mean, it, no, it's I not. mean, the and the concept of child finding out he's special isn't particularly, it's, you know, the, the, it, you're not, you know, reworking, you're not reinventing the wheel. Uh, but so far as call it plagiarism, like you would have to call like, it's like when people say, like, oh, like this other movie is like, yeah, they all have the hero's journey. like The hero's journey and the, the child to. who learns to... Yeah. The one thing that I do have to say about uh, Harry Potter that um, my, my relationship to Harry Potter has changed to like the the concept of the series, the fandom has changed a lot. But I do like how it flipped the idea of the chosen one. Uh, like the chosen one trope was always this thing like you are, you are the chosen one, you You're must destined to do, do it. this, yeah. And the flip at the end, in which, spoiler alert, Voldemort chooses, it's not the prophecy, but Voldemort that chooses his enemy. And, you know, the the horribleness of that, um, especially the unfairness for a baby, you know, like, whatever. Uh, I do like how we had a very common trope, which is the, the chosen one trope. And Rowling did manage to put a very, uh, I find, original spin on it. I mean, I'm sure it's done done before. It's been done before and it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. it doesn't really matter. There's this thing of, you know, there's... Uh, because they said, like, there were two chosen boys. There was, like, Harry Potter and um, Neville. Neville Longbottom. Neville and, Longbottom. And that was... That's such a stupid name. Like, it's such a... It was clearly yeah, written for... It was clearly exactly. written for, for, like, children. It's like, oh, it's funny. This is the thing about the Harry Potter series yeah. that people don't want to admit. Like, there, there's a lot of things from the Harry Potter... Because people say, like, no, Rowling had the plan from book number no, one. She it's didn't. like, no, she didn't. No. Like, she didn't. You can uh, tell she didn't. Like, you can totally tell. Like, the first book, especially the first book, like, it, it sets up a lot of world building that works for a children's book. Yeah. Um, and, but when, the moment it becomes darker and becomes like this whole world of like, and it's tied to the real world problems of the muggle or, or, you know, non magic world. Um, there are a lot of things that it's dragging along that it's just, like, really... That's hard to put together. I remember this well. Like, I remember at some point in... Bo I loved book seven. Yes. Because finally it wasn't in the school. I yes. was so sick of it. Because I remember reading book five or six. It was book six. Because in book five, Voldemort's... Like, he's already returned, but then he kills... Um, Gary Oldman, uh, Sirius. Sirius. He killed Sirius Black. You can't be Sirius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kills Sirius Black, and everything's gone so, like, 
the war has begun yeah. properly and Harry is part of this army that is fighting against this, essentially, you know, this Hitler, this mage yeah, Hitler. Fascism, but then in regime. book six, it was so weird because you were reading the book and it was like, Voldemort's gaining terrain. He's uh, released all the Death Eaters and he's done all this and the political intrigue and he's killing and so on. But yeah. we interrupt all this to bring you a game of Quidditch. And now we're going to spend three chapters reading about yeah. how Ron feels about being the goalkeeper for the Quidditch team. I get, and I was like, I get, why, why I get the care? frustration, but in the end, like, say for those, like, point of view character, point of view chapters, and they ended up being point of view because, they, like, they were point of view in that Harry Potter had was chairing uh, Voldemort's point of view. That's why you, you get some stuff outside the school. Like, in the end, like, the point of view character is always Harry Potter, and you have a character who's always trying to be pushed aside, like, you know, they they want to, quote-unquote, protect him. Like, so I get the frustration, because uh, I also was like, there's a lot, there is, a, there are way, like, in books five and six, there are a lot of storylines that are far more relevant to the to the war that are happening yeah. that are not happening in the school because usually in schools this where it's you know especially private school i don't know if, if hogwarts is i suppose it would be a private school since it's paying for them for it, for it but um but you know schools are kind of like there there's an attempt to keep them away from that so sure. so i get the frustration but i also understand why rowling would not be like and then Harry Potter went to the because he did go to the Ministry of Magic and there were other scenes where he man she managed to like put him in places where he could find stuff about stuff that was happening uh, yeah but the thing is like I, I just uh, maybe this is me as a teacher going like why did they keep that school open like students are dying every year like Every There's a year, lot of questionable. A student dies, and they the school is still open, and they still think it's safe. And the thing is, you want to know what happens with Voldemort. You want to know what happens with the main plot, and then it's just like uh, Ron has a girlfriend now. Do you want to read about Ron kissing a girl? And I'm like, I really, really don't. Like, I, <laughs> I, I'm really not interested in yeah. Ron. And then Hermione going all jealous. It's like, oh, she's jealous of Ron. Who gives a fuck? Like, there True. is a war going on. People are dying. There's, like, Dumbledore dies, and the Death Eaters take over the school, and there's this whole complete thing. But, yes, let's throw in some teenage romance thing where they, you know, give each other love potions, which has its own kind of complications. But, yes. you know, it's it's kind of, like, fine. Yes. No, like, I, I like how the, how the Weasley twins are, like, they're, like, painted to be these, like, oh, they're so amazing. And it's, like... They're actually selling you. There's, you know, they're selling love potions. Yeah, they're they're selling, selling roofies in their yeah. in their shop, and they're like, I have a lot of I have a lot of bones to pick with a lot of decisions that Rowling made with a lot of her characters, especially now that they have expanded into the multiverse that now is the Harry Potter uh, franchise. But I mean, I get where you're going. I think that seventh book was was really good. For yeah, that yeah, book, I liked it. Book seven because it was Harry Potter finally like. Being in the conflict, like, thing, yeah. book number six, which is uh, I do like the character of um, of the professor that came potions master. Yeah, he was the, the first non evil sli- Slytherin. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I forget his I forget his name, but something um, something. S- wait, wait, it'll something? come to me. Slughorn. Slughorn, thank yeah, you. Slughorn. Uh, I love uh, the concept of the Felix Felicis uh, potion, even if it was a little bit of a. 
Potion X Machina for yeah. uh, I mean it's magic. It's tough to write magic without it being no, like, like. And then there's I an actually spell. like that Potion X Machina because he um, Harry well, he does this thing of he tricks Ron into thinking he drank it, yeah. but then he actually saves it. And when the Death Eaters arrive, he gives it out to all the students. Yeah, and it's it's mentioned that this potion is ridiculously powerful and ridiculously difficult to to, to brew. Like nobody can brew it. Yeah, like the, like two people can brew it, like Snape yeah. and this guy. Yeah, and. Um, he gives them out, and that is how nobody dies. And yeah. I like that because it was like an in-story justification of there's been an invasion of essentially yeah. assassins of the trope and of the trope assassins of the bad people have terrible aim of yeah. oh, and plot armor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She actually that was clever. That that yeah. she could be no, a very clever. I think, writer. Rowling, I think the books. Um, I think the books are 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 great. I mean, again, they're not the best books ever written. I will I will contest to you in that I think most people did graduate from Harry Potter to a lot of things. Uh, Why? Because the young adult section today in bookstores is huge. And yeah, there you have your Harry Potter knockoffs and you have uh, your Twilight knockoffs, which is another thing. Uh, but you, but I do think that m- the people that stayed only with Harry Potter are a very vocal minority, for a minority. And I understand where you're going because yeah, the Harry Potter fandom. Is, I hate it. it. I mean, I think you hate every fandom, and I no, no, I don't because I am a fan of many, many a thing. Yeah, but you are not the kind of fan that will will completely obsess over. Yes, I, I have I obsessed know. over things. I okay. like ask me, ask me something about Neil Gaiman's American Gods, and I can tell you like okay. which god appears in which chapter and what okay. it means and so on. Like, but the okay. thing is, here's the thing: uh, the Harry Potter thing. It became such an obsessive um, phenomenon that like. The fan, the fan fiction, for example. This was when when I went into the fan fiction, I saw that there were like thousands and thousands and thousands of writers writing themselves into the books or writing more things about the books. This, to me, it struck me as a generation, and this is millennials in a nutshell, by the way, a generation who just doesn't doesn't watch Frozen and doesn't let it fucking go. But self-insert fan like, fiction was... More. You, you had... You, I mean, it's it's bigger because you had the internet, but, like, Star Trek, like, zines with Star Trek fanfics of self-insert characters existed. A like, very annoying fandom as well. I mean, I have the same I right. mean, yeah, but, like, this isn't a millennial thing. People have always looked at, you know, worlds they liked and then imagine how would it be and then for example there is there are sneaky ways of doing self-insert because like for, I read a lot of I still to this day read a lot of Teen Wolf fan fiction and there's sometimes where you like read and you are completely aware that the one of the main characters in this fic is a self-insert character they're not named they're, they're not the new girl in school who happens to be a werewolf and is amazing but, like, it, this is a Scott McCall fanfic, and you can tell that this is the person writing themselves. It's Scott McCall, and they are prom king, and they beat everyone, and they have three girlfriends and four boyfriends, and everyone's okay with it. Um, so, I don't think it's a it's a generational thing. I do think that, since you had fanfiction of net, you had, like, everything ready for a fandom to take over the way it did. And I don't, I don't, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, people making fun of self-insert Harry Potter fanfics, and there is a very, there's a very specific formula on how a self-insert Harry Potter fanfic happens. It's like, oh, Harry Potter, you didn't know, but you had a brother or a sister or whatever. And I also have a scar because blah, 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 blah. And these tropes have been made fun of, uh, for, for a while now. 
And then, of course, you had all the girls writing themselves to make, to, to you know, fall in love with Draco Malfoy. Jesus and Christ, making explain Draco to Malfoy, me. Draco in leather pants. Explain to me Draco in leather pants. Explain to me girls. how people like a character that is written very, very deliberately to be unlikable in every way. You only start feeling sorry for him in book six when it's kind of revealed that, that he's been roped into becoming a Death Eater and doing this thing that he doesn't really want to do, but all his... Well, think, Before uh, then, uh, he's a cunt. He's just yeah, a he was cunt. raised. He, he was raised to be a cunt. I mean, I think 11-year-old racists exist because their parents raised them to be, you know, racists. I don't mind that. My problem is someone reading about a racist that is essentially calling people... You know the N word, the yes. magic, the magical equivalent, yeah. the magical equivalent of the N word, and just being a, a complete across the board asshole, and then people going, "Oh my god, he's so dreamy!" Like, is he? I, do, I don't know how to explain it, but I do know I, I can understand the appeal. Uh, we like the bad boys, you know. They're like, "Oh, I'm gonna fix them." It's wrong, and it's an idea, and you know, you're not here to fix anyone. But a lot of this, you know, Draco and Leatherpants uh, fix were about, you know, Draco, Dra- Draco learning to not be a racist asshole. And, you know, they're, they're, that's... But he never learned There's it. one of, not in the books, but that's what fanfic is for. Fuck fanfic. Uh, I'm sorry. Fuck fanfic. Here's a, here's a thing. And also, in the books, you kind of get the idea that he did... Like, he was sending his kid to school in the last... Uh, in the epilogue of don't even me- let's talk about the epilogue in a moment let's, let's put a talk about the epilogue let's put a that. pin on that because yeah but you kind of you do kind of get the redemption arc in like off screen when does he redeem the, himself when he what saves he Harry Potter he doesn't save him when does he save Harry Potter when does he save Harry Potter at some point he does not I mean because they have a scene in the room where he's going to get the, they have the fire in the requirement Draco, room. No, Draco wants... When he kills Dumbledore... Yes. I believe Draco knows that Harry is there. And Draco does... And he doesn't does tell not, the Death Eaters. Draco does not kill. Draco does not kill Dumbledore because he can't... Contrive. Bring himself here. He can't bring himself to do it. The fact that you're not willing to kill an old man and an unarmed... Old, no, he wasn't unarmed. He let himself be killed because he was going to die anyway. Which yeah. was a major cop-off. Like... Yeah, he was, he was there's, a whole, there's a whole lot of in the last book that was kind of like there, there, there's like this thing where Rowling thinks she's being really clever and she's just being really complicated. But he was already going to die. But um, he never so, he never redeems himself. He just acts. Everything he does is out of pure self interest. The reason he doesn't kill or he doesn't tell people that Harry is there because he's hoping that Harry will get him out of a bind. But he is he's never he's never anything but self-obsessed and he never does anything for anyone I just don't get and, and that's okay mm-hmm. you can have a villain it's okay to have a a complete villain but the whole fandom of Draco is so sexy is like is he is he I mean he was played by a relatively cute actor and actually it's really funny because um, we haven't talked about the movies a lot but when Alfonso Cuaron took over for uh, The Prisoner of Azkaban uh, when the first images came out of, of Drake of uh, Tom Felton as, as Draco, and, and he was like, he he was he, he had lost the like super shiny blonde, you know. He he was completely like his hair was unkempt, his yeah. uniform was. He looked like an asshole because that's what he was. He was a douche. Yeah. Um, like a lot of the Draco fans were like, "Oh my god, he's looking, he's making him look ugly. How could he?" And it's like, have you read the books? Because Rowling is not a subtle. 
uh, especially in the first books where it's like the good people are good looking and the bad people are bad looking. Uh, or at least the good no, people are funny looking. Only the bad witches are ugly. Uh, as as my as as Mama Glinda would say, um, like Draco is written to be a non-attractive. Uh, he looks character. like a ferret. That's yes. why Moody, well, fake Moody, but Moody yeah. transforms him into a ferret. He looks rodent-like, like exactly. The nose uh, so when Quaron like changed uh, Felton's look to be more, I think, book accurate, like the f- fandom went. They were like, like, how could he? You know, whatever. Um, then they put him in this wonderful suit. They do. They started they to. Do. He was he was rocking the Armani because yes. obviously not a lot of product placement to be placed when you have your characters wearing robes all the time. So suddenly they were wearing Converse and they were wearing brands and so on. Yeah. But you know, fuck that. But the yeah. point is, my problem with you know to, to to wrap up my gripe with the fan fiction is, I think there is so much of people not being able to let go of Harry Potter, and that's kind of like an education of being a reader. Like, I remember the first time I finished The Count of Monte Cristo. This was 1,500 pages when I was about 14 or 15. And I remember I went into kind of a mourning period with all proportions, you know, saving all proportion. It wasn't like I was actually in mourning, but it was like, it's done. I've been reading this for so long and I've been so invested with these characters and so invested with the story. And now it's over. Like, there is no more. There is no part two of the Count of Monte Cristo. The story is done. He goes through his entire arc onto a new book. And you just have to bring yourself into starting a new book and falling in love with a new set of characters and a new world and so on. And the Harry Potter, because it became such a worldwide phenomenon, people were like, we have to give them more. So now we give them the movies. And now we're going to give them the website <laughs> where you play with Harry Potter Pottermore, and Pottermore yeah. and you do the, you get sorted into a and house. And you have the video games, you have the Universal theme, yeah. theme park, you have... It's, so you get people You have who, the Grindelwald, uh, I'm sorry, the, um, the Fantastic Beasts. The Newt Scamander yeah. kind of thing. And the terrible... Which sucks, by the way, and if you like it, you're wrong. It, no, 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 it's <laughs> terrible, even though... Yeah, well, so anyway, we are splitting these this conversation we had uh, into two episodes. So this is uh, the ending of episode one of our Harry Potter conversation in Mexicans. Uh, come back next week for the second part of this uh, thing. And thank you so much for listening. Bye.